For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Ryan Roberts and Alex Gilstrap here for more stock watch for NFL draft prospects in the 2021 NFL draft class. We've got a lot of crazy things coming from this past week of college football. Before we get into that, though, I want to share a message from our sponsors, that being betonline.ag. The wait is finally over. We've had multiple weeks of football already being played, college football, professional football, you name it. You can now watch it, and not only, you can bet on it. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well, and it never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all of the great sign-up bonuses. Again, it's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So guys, this past week we had two pretty crazy upsets already to start the year. LSU, the former national championship, uh, the former national champions, lost to Mississippi State. We also saw Oklahoma go down to a not very consistent Kansas State team, and I, I, we need to bring up and talk about the guy who threw for 600 yards, the man named KJ Costello, the transfer from Stanford, playing in the Mike Leach air raid offense. And I know that Ryan has a very passionate opinion on KJ Costello because immediately after he threw for the 600 yards, everybody was talking about how Costello could be pushing his way into some serious draft conversation and how he might be one of the best quarterbacks in college football right now. Ryan, are you ready to disprove that point? Well, I mean, I so if we're taking it from just like one of the best quarterbacks in college football perspective, like I guess he has to be, right? Because like... He's in the Mike Leach system. He's going to put up some stupid numbers, 5,000-plus yards. He's probably going to throw 40-plus touchdowns. Like The numbers are going to be there for him to be in that conversation as one of the best college quarterbacks. But we're talking about this from an NFL draft perspective. And I will say I had like a middling, late, you know, into day three type grade unofficially on KJ Costello heading into the year because in 2018, I saw a ton of glimpses, some stuff I liked. 2019 was a mess. He was dealing with some injuries, but we're projecting him. If people are trying to project him to be in potentially that fourth quarterback, then you, in some sense, think that, hey, this guy might be a starting quarterback at the next level. Now, I think there's a baseline for him to be a good, uh, good serviceable NFL quarterback. I think that he has a baseline to be a backup potentially, and maybe even a high-end backup, maybe a spot starter. I think that he has that potential. Because he does have a very strong arm. He has nice size. He's played in pro-style system. Now he's playing in that Mike Leach air raid spread. Like, he has 
experience, a lot of experience that you can't take away from him. He's, he has those reps. My issue is anytime this guy is taken outside of structure, because we saw it yesterday, right? He has some nice bucket throws down the sideline. When he's on, in rhythm, when he's on time, he's good. He's a good quarterback. When, and we saw this in the, I think it was the end of the third quarter going into the fourth quarter. I, it was funny. I actually texted my buddy because he was like, oh, wow, LSU's about to get run out of the building. I'm like, eh, just wait on it. Costello's due for another turnover. It's going to happen. And then that exact drive, he threw an interception. And I was like, okay, there it is. So, because every time he has to get off of his first to second read, he becomes very flustered because he's not a very good athlete. Out of structure, he doesn't do much. He makes some very troubling decisions. I don't think there's a baseline for him to be a starting quarterback at the next level. In the right situation, in the perfect situation, could you sell me into him being a stretch starter You know, for a few games potentially? I can buy into that a little bit, but I'm not I'm not looking at that game yesterday and saying like, oh my God, he just vaulted himself because I expected him to do it. Obviously not 600 yards. I may have expected like 400 plus in his first game with Leach because that's what Mike Leach does. He fooled us once already, it seems, with Gardner Minshew because I don't think that Minshew is going to last. He really tried the fool us last year with Anthony Gordon because some people really bought into that dude. And while KJ Castillo might be the most talented quarterback he's had, I just, I'm just not seeing it. I think that in the how the NFL is today, if we're projecting guy to be a starting quarterback, you need to be able to do that stuff as an extender. You can't just be a statue back there. You have to be able to move outside, you know, against blitz. Like you have to be able to to do something that is not comfortable all the time for you. In comfort, he's good. I just don't think that he is comfortable enough being uncomfortable for him to be a starting caliber quarterback moving forward. Well, you can tell this guy's a veteran. Usually when a, a quarterback, you know, going from Stanford who who runs the ball as much as they did, and now he's going to Mississippi State, joining Mike Leach and that's that spread offense, that air raid offense. We expected the stats. That's what Anthony Gordon did, like you said. That's what that's what um Gardner Minshew did a couple years back. So we we expected the stats. The stats aren't what makes me go crazy, but the fact that he picked up on the offense the way he did, uh, and he showed so much composure in a big stage like that, playing the reigning national champion, say what you want about all the talent that LSU lost, they're still the reigning national championship, or champions, I messed up like Ryan did, <laughs> so going into that game, there's still that 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 confidence in that LSU Tigers defense, so to be able to, to be as successful as he was, was impressive, and I know we're going to talk about stock up, stock down, and this is a guy that definitely is stock up. That's that's that, that that's the truth. He went in, um, he went into LSU at LSU, which I know with no fans isn't as big of a deal. But you know, going into an environment like that, first SEC game, going up against that defense that lost a lot of talent, but it's still one of the best SEC defenses in the nation. Um, so he showed out. He definitely had some mistakes, and that's what you expect in a season like this year that we've talked about in weeks prior. With with the way that the the training camp was and everything else, he didn't have a full camp that you you would expect on a on, a, on an average year. So for him to show the strides that he he did against LSU and that that tough competition, the 623 yards shattering. I mean, absolutely shattering the SEC record for single game passing yards. That's what we expected from Mike Leach in this offense. I didn't expect it so soon, and that's I think what caught everyone by surprise is how quickly KJ Costello and this offense got rolling. Uh, no one expected them to beat LSU. So kudos to him for for stepping in game one in a season like this. Um, but 
I got to see this more consistently. Like like Ryan said, he has more tools than, than Mike Leach has dealt with in years, probably ever, to be honest, in that system. So I, I love the arm strength, the good size, 6'5", 225. I mean, he has the size. He's a veteran, so he he showed out. He he made good decisions. He made some bad decisions, and this is just what you're going to have to live with. I don't think there's much left in the tank as far as growth for Costello in the NFL, and I think that's why I agree with Ryan. This guy's going to be a solid backup in the NFL. He, he's going to be able to start some games depending on the system he goes in, and he's going to be okay. But I don't expect this guy to even push for a day two pick. I think he's going to be a solid day three pick that can come in and he he can back up one of one of the NFL starting quarterback the current starting quarterbacks in the NFL and he can that that's his role and that's okay there's there's a role for that and that's what he is he's a toolsy big guy that can that's that's a veteran he's played a lot of college football he's going to he's going to make decisions he's going to move the ball down the field uh, but the biggest thing is is just how well this offense gelled week 1 in the SEC we didn't know how the air raid was going to work in the SEC it's off to a good start. So we're going to see where this where this takes us next. But so far, stock up for KJ Costello, but we still have more to see. And we, we're going to need to just to wrap up what you guys talked about here. We just need to pump the brakes a little bit when, when guys in these Mike Leach systems do really well in their first games. And he's probably going to have gaudy numbers by the end of the year. And I bet Mississippi State has a, a stronger season than expected than many people expected them to. And, and Costello will have crazy, crazy passing numbers. But that does not correlate to instant NFL success. And we've already talked about Anthony Gordon, who went undrafted, despite some people trying to pitch him as a, a, a you know, a, a midday, a mid day two, day three pick, does not get drafted. And then Minshew obviously has some success now, but we can all agree here the guy is just not at the level that you want for a starting NFL quarterback. He's going to be replaced at some point or another, despite everybody's affinity for him because of the whole mustache thing. <laughs> Just because you're in the Mike, Mike Leach system does not guarantee you're going to translate that success because that's that style of play has not made itself, not only not made itself to the, to the NFL in a successful manner, but quarterbacks that play primarily in those systems have not, completely had instant success it, 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 even if he does go and have an opportunity it's going to take some time before he, he can actually get settled and and play at a you know a, a, a decent quality of performance and I, I think I think that um I, I think that that's like a great point too too there um Joe because we talk about the system putting up great stats we always have to talk about how is it how can it translate to the next level right like the biggest concerns with Anthony Gordon with Gardner Minshew is that offense makes your lower body so relaxed that their footwork was not great. And I saw the same things with Costello, you know, and he's got a really awkward delivery sometimes just because he's so long and he's got such long legs. He overstrides sometimes, balls go high on him. I think I heard that he has a, a pitching background, which is a little odd for a quarterback. Usually, you know, um, that overtop release is all good. But you, as you know, like a pitcher coming off the rubber, like he is striding it out to try to get, you know, obviously as close to the plate as he possibly can. And I think that comes back to haunt him a lot. His overstriding really hurts him. I don't think being with Mike Leach is really preparing him for being an NFL quarterback. I think that a couple of the bucket throws are impressive. But, I mean, he's running mesh 48 times a game. <laughs> like It's it's easy reads. It's, it's very um, simplistic offensive structure 
and you're not really helping out with the lower body, you're not helping with the footwork, I, I think that it's it's not really as translatable as some people want to act like it is. Well, let's get into what the folks are here to listen about. That is the stock up and stock down. This time, this episode, we are going to pitch our guys who we think should be stock up and stock down, that being Alex and Ryan. Alex, why don't you go first for a guy that we all know you are such a, a big fan of and also his partner in crime? Yeah, well, I, we would be a bad podcast, uh, NFL Draft podcast. We didn't bring up the day that Kyle Pitts had eight receptions, 170 yards, four touchdowns. I, look, we all we all agree that he's a first-round talent, which has been pretty rare for the tight end position in recent years outside of a couple years ago with Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson. Kate, Kyle Pitts, he, he solidified himself as a top-20 guy. He could opt out of the rest of the season and get drafted in the top 20. I, I I wholeheartedly believe that. Where the NFL has gone as far as just creating mismatches, and that's what Kyle Pitts is in the in the passing game. You want a guy that is going to be one-on-one. He's, he's too athletic for linebackers, and he's too big and strong for most safeties, even in the NFL. I think this guy's going to translate really well to an offense that's really forward-thinking. And like you said, his partner in crime, my guy, as as we all joke about all the time, and Kyle Trask, I've been a big fan of him. He's my favorite to be QB4 behind the big three that we always talk about in Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance. Kyle Trask is, has been that guy that I've, I've looked at as I think he can make the strides necessary to solidify himself as that fourth guy. And you know, he, he, he had a good day. He, he showed a lot of the promise, a lot of the improvements that I wanted to see in him. I think he managed the pocket and handled pressure. Uh, he showed improvement in that regard from last year, which was my biggest concern with him. And, and you saw what he does well. You know, he has a good, strong arm. He has great touch. I love that touch uh, touchdown pass where he just popped it right over the defender. Uh, I think that was in the, the beginning of the second half there in that game against Ole Miss. 30 of 42, four, over 400 yards passing, six touchdowns, no interceptions. He took care of the football outside of the one fumble he had. And he he and he passed the ball all over the field. You know, obviously Ole Miss isn't the best defense in the conference or in the country, but but he showed promise like like we've talked about with everyone this season so far. This is a weird season where you where you expect sloppy play, especially early on in the season. And so for for Kyle Trask and, and then Kyle Pitts, you know, both of them to play such a clean game and show such dominance week one, that that makes me feel very comfortable with with their projection for the rest of the season, which then could lead to to the NFL draft come April. I I think that this this duo could both be in the first round. I. I have said that from the beginning. I mean, like we said, Kyle Pitts is a first rounder. Kyle Trask is the one that's going to be a little bit more controversial in that in this talk. But I've been on that train that says this guy has the tools to do it, and I think that this is a guy that you can see sneak in the back half of the first round. You know, we've talked about in in just this past class, for instance, we talked about Jacob Eason or Jalen Hurts potentially being one of those quarterbacks that could sneak into the back half of the first round to one of those teams that has a veteran quarterback such as New Orleans or or now Tampa Bay with Tom Brady. You have those teams that are that are good now but might want to invest a little bit more in their future and get one of those toolsy toolsy quarterbacks that, that can that can learn under these future Hall of Famers. And I think Kyle Trask can be that guy. I I you know great size 
not the most agile guy, you know, but but he's got a good arm and and he's he's showed impro- he's shown improvement week in and week out since he took over that starting job uh, at the first half of last season. So I was a big fan coming into the season. I thought that this guy in Kyle Trask could have that rise that we saw in Joe Burrow, not to the extent of Joe Burrow, because that was historic. Obviously we are not going to see a guy go from this borderline day two, day three guy to number one overall locked and loaded. You don't see that very often, but this is a guy that I thought if there's someone that's going to show improvement enough to go from that day three conversation to day one, it's Kyle Trask, and and I and I'm happy with what I saw on Saturday with his play, that connection with Kyle Pitts. I think that's something we're gonna see week in and week out. It's gonna be so exciting to watch. As a Georgia fan, I'm scared. <laughs> this offense is fun, and they're gonna put up a lot of points. 51 points in the opener. Uh, they just look clean all the way around. Have a lot of weapons around Kyle Trask and that offense. I I think this is stock up for the that duo together. Yeah, and it's a good thing that their offense looks so good because the defense for Florida did not look too great. But I will say, man, yes, Kyle, it didn't. Kyle Trask is the most athletic statue I've ever seen in my life. I'll give him that. <laughs> he moves incredibly well for a man made out of stone. It's it's really nice. Um, I mean, Alex. I mean, honestly, like we we bust on you a little bit on that one, but like you know, it's a stock up game. He had a really nice game, four hundred yards. You know, he for sure. He did. He made some really nice decisions. Everything because. With how he plays, accuracy and decision-making is going to be his bread and butter. That's what he has to really um, survive on. Those are the things. Because I don't think that he has the best arm in the world. I really don't. When he threw that back shoulder um, touchdown down the right sideline to Trevon Grimes, that thing was mm-hmm. like a 25-yard back shoulder, and I'm like, dude, that took forever to get there. Like, I don't, I just don't think he has the strongest arm in the world. I think there's going to be sen- some limitations. I think For that, sure. you know, I'd be very comfortable with saying he could potentially be a top five quarterback in the class. I, I, I I'm okay with that. He has that upside because I think that the accuracy and the ball placement and the ability to stay on time and the ability to throw a touch is all nice stuff. I just, I'm questioning what the upside is with him a little bit. But when we're talking about Kyle Pitts, man, like he was already a top 20 player potentially for me in this class. So he didn't change much of that narrative. I will say there's some there's some hate on Twitter for Kyle Pitts for whatever. I, I don't know if you've seen that, man. They called him like a glorified wide I don't receiver. I not get that at all. And, and, yeah, right. So like glorified wide receiver. He could be a glorified wide receiver for me any day of the week if he wants to, man. Because 6'6", 240 with that type of athlete. I mean, what do you have, 170 yards? Like, just a ridiculous game. Four touchdowns. Yeah. It was it was absurd. It was Over absurd. 20 yards a catch as a tight end. That's insane. Right. For me, a, a guy that really grabbed my attention who was a, a player that I talked a little bit about on Twitter yesterday that I thought is is not really getting the attention coming out of preseason that I thought he deserved a little bit, and that was Auburn wide receiver Seth Williams, uh, 6'3 plus. I think he's a really explosive athlete. I think he has length for days. There's some A.J. Green to his game. Uh, I don't know why, but that's just the name that keeps popping in my head a little bit. Now, I'm not ready to call him a first-round wide receiver, but I think he's a very solid second-round player right now. I think that that is the type of upside he has. I think he has a little more juice than you might anticipate for a guy that's six foot three, two hundred and twenty pounds. I think he's still tapping into that route running. I don't think the route running is perfect. I think there's a lot more rawness that needs to get kind of inked out of that game. But you know, over a hundred yards yesterday, a couple touchdowns, 
high pointing the football. This dude is a springy athlete. I think that the talent is all there for a guy like Seth Williams to really rise. And I think that he's that 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 de facto long wide receiver that can win a lot of leverage battles against cornerbacks. Even if you have a longer guy at six foot one, six foot two, guard him. I think he's just one of those guys that's always open no matter what because he could be a guy in the in the back shoulder game. He could win at the catch point. He can do a lot of things for your team. And I, I just think that at the end of the day, Seth Williams eventually is going to be a huge riser in this class, and I haven't heard many people talk about him. So I, I think he took a definite step up on the national stage first week of SEC football, and I, I really loved a lot of what I saw from the Auburn wide receiver. Well, the the biggest question I've seen with him on Twitter is, hey, is this just J.J. Ortega-Whiteside fooling us again? You know, this is a jump ball guy. Does He's not the most athletic guy, big body, and he goes up and gets the football in the red zone. That's what Ortega-Whiteside, it's from Stanford, that's what his tape was predicated on when when we were trans, you know, trying to project his translation to the next level. And obviously that hasn't panned out as well as a lot of us had hoped. And that's the biggest question. However, I do think that there's a lot more upside athletically in Seth Williams. I think you 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 talked you touched on that a little bit, talking about the route running. There's room for improvement, and I and I I can project that room, you know, that or that improvement, I should say. So I, you know, we were both big Seth Williams fans coming coming into this season, you know, going for six six receptions, 112 yards in the two red zone touchdowns where he just big boyed those corners. Uh, from Kentucky, that it's fun to watch. I'm I'm glad you you brought him up. I'm because like you said, he's not getting the attention on Twitter and and in in that space as he should. So uh, Seth Williams is going to be someone that's going to continue to rise because I think that's Bo Nix's safety net. You know, just just like you know, you see those guys in the NFL that safety net guy. I think that's that's the guy for Bo Nix. Um, so Seth Williams is, is a great athlete. Like you said, I think right now I see him as an early to mid second round or somewhere in that Michael Pittman junior range from this past year, you know, going to Indianapolis just inside of the second round. So, uh, big game for him. Look for him to continue to, uh, put up some fun numbers and some, and some fun highlights for sure. Alex, from what I understand, you, you picked a, a player from your favorite team. You've already referenced it as your, your next stock up guy. That being cornerback Richard LeCount, who what what really made you n- notice what he did in his performance this past weekend? Yeah, so you know I talked about Kyle Pitts, Kyle Trask, and that that Florida offense scared me as a Georgia fan. However, that Georgia defense looked fantastic. You know they 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 gave up the one play, which I will say for watching it live, it was on LeCount. The 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 touchdown that Arkansas scored in the first quarter to go up seven nothing early in that game, it was misjudgment in zone coverage by LeCount. He got burned on the back end uh, trying to bite down on the receiver coming underneath, and he just lost his man over the top. But after that play, he was everywhere, whether it was making a tackle, uh, making big hits, because that guy, he's not afraid to lower his shoulder, and he makes good clean hits at that. You know, He's not someone that's headhunting. But then the two interceptions are what really stood out for me. The second one in particular, if you haven't already, you need to see the one-handed interception that he made. It was a double pass play, Arkansas trying to trying to get a big splash play and LeCount stayed back on his on his man and the ball was a little underthrown and he went up one handed and brought it down cleanly with one hand through contact with the wide receiver. LeCount, he's just a very well rounded, I think he's gonna be a box safety because I don't think he 
sideline to sideline, he doesn't have that kind of range. He's not that kind of athlete. And so as long as he goes to a system where he can play more in the box, you know, work downhill because of how aggressive he is downhill. And I think he's one of the best tacklers in the defensive back uh, in college football as a defensive back, I should say. Richard LeCount's a fun watch. I was I was so excited for him coming into the season. Ryan was actually higher on him coming into the season as he was a lot of those Georgia defensive backs. You know, Eric Stokes, another one who had a pick six in that game as well. But, you know, Richard LeCount, he is the... He's the heart and soul of that defense. You see it, you know, the way he's calling things out. I think he's a very smart player playing that safety position for for, for Georgia's defense. And and this is a great defense, and he's the leader of it. And with the two interceptions he had on Saturday, I think it's a stock-up game for him, especially the, the the great one-handed catch. I just have to talk about that. It was just such a great catch. I, I think you're underselling him a little bit, Alex. I think that he's a little better athlete than you might give him a little bit of credit for. I think that he's not a player where I want him to play single high all the time, but a player that I compared to a Rodney McLeod who's played for the Eagles for the last few years where I think that he's just so smart on the back end that while he may not make a ton of splash plays, he's never going to be in a bad position. He's never going to give up a ton of big plays. I think that that is – what he is really going to thrive in. And anything that he can do plus here as in, in terms of ball skills, I think is a huge plus for him. Two interceptions is notable. You already mentioned he's a really nice tackler, really nice working inside out, filling the alley. I think he's just got a nice all-around game, and he's similar to how I felt a little bit about Asante Samuel. As many splash plays as he can make, as many turnovers as he can force, is only going to increase what type of stock he ultimately has. Ryan, for our last stock up player, you were a big fan of Patrick Jones, who last week had three sacks in a performance against Louisville. Besides those three sacks, from actually seeing what he did on the field, what what stood out to you from Jones? Well, I think that they had a tough matchup a little bit when you talk about playing a really athletic quarterback in Michael Cunningham from Louisville, right? Like he's not an easy guy to corral. Patrick Jones, I think, if I remember correctly, was my second rated edge when we did defensive ends um, and pass rushers, I should say, right behind uh, Gregory Rousseau. And I think that six foot four and a half, 260 plus pounds, he's a nice athlete coming off the edge. He's explosive in short areas. I think all the makings are there of being in a really, really productive pass rusher, an eight plus sack a year type of guy. I think that it's all there for him. He's been, he was quiet, you know, the first week or two there. And then he has, Three sacks, starting to get that that number in the column. And I think him and, the, and that uh, other defensive end, Weaver, are probably one of the more underrated pairings of defensive ends in all of college football. So Patrick Jones, I think, has all the tools there. And, you know, that this combina- this um, this conversation about who are the top defensive ends, who are the top edge players in this class, very debatable. There's a lot of guys that could be there, could not be there. A lot, of, a lot of moving parts in there. I think Patrick Jones has a physical profile, though, where he could definitely settle in as a top three to four player at the position in the draft. Well, I just, I, it's a great year for Patrick Jones as far as a position group because there's no one that's a sure thing. We've seen the last couple of years, you had Chase Young this past year, and of course you had Nick Bosa the year before, both out of Ohio State. There's no one guy that's locked and loaded that, you know, you can project as being an all-pro guy with ease. You know, Gregory Russo, all, 
he he's toolsy. He's got he's got a lot in his bag, and he's got a lot of room to grow. And that's why we we have him rated so highly. But Patrick Jones's explosiveness is fun to watch, and he he showed it off against Louisville. Obviously, Louisville replacing Makai Becton at that left tackle position. It showed when they played Pitt and that 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 defensive line that they have. And Patrick Jones just took advantage. Three sacks. That's just insane. At, at any stage, it doesn't matter the offensive line. Three sacks in a single game is insane. And, you know, I, we both had him in our top three. You had him at two. I had him at three right behind Boogie Basham uh, at that edge position. But like you said, the edge position is so valued at the next level because pass rush is so important in, in the NFL today, especially with, with how many teams are going to such pass-happy offenses. You see Kansas City and, and, and such teams like that, that he's going to get drafted highly because there's – kind of a hole at that position like you said there's there's a lot of well it could be this guy it could be that guy I think Patrick Jones is someone that can easily sneak in the first round to a, a contending team that wants someone that can contribute right away I think his athleticism translates you know this guy gets off the line before anyone else and he's going to speed to power uh this guy has good bend for his size especially I I really like Patrick Jones and I think he had a really good game I just want to continue to see it throughout this ACC schedule that they have now switching to some stock down players, Alex, you were not a very big fan of Kellen Mond, who looked very bad against Vanderbilt. He only threw for 189 yards and a touchdown in this performance against Vanderbilt, 17 for 28 on his passing attempts. Just based on that that stat line alone, what, what did he do that really made you feel that he, he didn't look so good this week? He just doesn't do anything. He's just there. People like to talk about Kellen Mond as this man. This guy is gonna improve. You know, he's he he's he's got so much room to grow, and he's he's so he's got such a big arm and blah blah blah. He's just not good. I've this isn't really stock down for me because I'm not a big fan of him, as you can tell by the way I'm talking about him. But this is Vanderbilt, and yes, they're in the SEC. But this is a bad Vanderbilt team. They're they're not good at all. And he struggled. He just looked out of place. He's just not good. He, for an NFL quarterback, or for a college quarterback to translate well to the NFL, you have to elevate your college team. How do you expect a quarterback to elevate those around him, which you have to do at the quarterback position to be successful in the NFL? He can't even do it at the collegiate level against Vanderbilt. And this isn't just Vanderbilt. He did, he did this last year, and this is why I've never understood the Kellen Mond. Is he does have tools. He has a big arm. I'll give it to him. You know, he he can get the ball from point A to point B in a hurry. But who cares if if you don't know where it's going? It it can you know one one time he can overthrow him fifteen yards, and then he'll underthrow the next receiver by ten yards. It, you just never know where Kellen Mond's passes are going. I like the tools. I think he's gonna get. You know, playing in the SEC and having the tools that he does, and you know, having the uh, experience that he does at that level, he will be drafted. He'll be probably be a early day three guy just based off that alone. But this is not a guy that I think projects well to the NFL. He he has so many flaws in his game. He's a big arm, and that's about it for me. He has some athleticism, big arm and athleticism. I don't know what you do with that. What's the Buffalo quarterback Tyree Jackson? A couple years ago, had a little stint with. Uh, with the XFL or, or AFL or or AAF, I should say, um, that's kind of closer to his projection than an NFL starting quarterback. He's big. Tyree Jackson was huge. He's big. He's got a big arm. Tyree Jackson had a big arm, and they're both athletic. 
But as far as the decision making and the, the consistency and the accuracy and the ability to handle pressure, he just doesn't have it. And and with as much experience as he has, I just wish I saw more improvements in a lot of those areas. And I just haven't. I'm going to continue to be out on Kellen Mond. This isn't like I said, it's not really stuck down for me, but this is just me going ahead and telling the draft community. We just need to slow our roll with Kellen Mond. He is what he is. I don't think there's much, much more you're going to get out of him uh, in the future. And Mon's been a breakout candidate for like three years now. Exactly, exactly my point. <laughs> he hasn't broken out yet. And there's there was a take on Twitter earlier in the summer where someone said that they thought Kel, they weren't sure that Kellen Mon wasn't better than Justin Fields. And I was like, dude, what are we? Yes, doing? Man. <laughs> this is the exact point of me bringing this up. He's he's a breakout candidate for the last three years, and there's people saying that this guy might be better than Justin Fields. This makes no sense. He's just not that good. Let's just face it. And unfortunately, it seems like the NFL might be a little higher than we are, Alex. Because I'll tell you, apparently some teams have a third round grade on him. If you look at the Blesto grades, he had a fourth round grade. So, like, some people are a little higher on Kelamon. And you know how quarterbacks tend to rise throughout the process. So, we'll see what happens with him. I, I would say, real quick shout out in the Vanderbilt game. Uh, I'm going to try to butcher this name real quick. Deo Odeyingbo, the defensive end for Vanderbilt, had a tremendous game. Tremendous game. I just wanted to shout him out real quick. He's a big six foot five defensive end who's going to probably be a, a five-tech and a 3-4 defensive scheme. Uh, they, they gave Texas A&M a lot of problems for a long time during this game. And I'll say the Kellen Mond just specifically, there's nothing that you can hang your hat on, man. He's going to throw a bucket throw once in a blue moon down the sideline. Great touch on you know to the deep portion of the field that's going to try to ring you back in. But he doesn't do enough on a snap-to-snap basis to really warrant anything more than maybe a late-round flyer as a developmental quarterback. He's nothing more, should not be in that conversation as, oh, why aren't people talking about him? People aren't talking about him because he's not good. Sorry to tell you, that is what it is. Kellamont, I'm completely out on him. He's not going to be anywhere near the top five. I'm not even sure he's a top ten when everything's said and done. Ryan, to wrap us up, the last stockdown player that you had as your player who didn't perform so well, was Tamorian Terry. He didn't even record a reception in this game. There might have been some concerns of injury heading into it, and also Florida State seemingly looks worse and worse every single season, despite having top-tier talent. What do you think were, were some of the issues with Terry? Well, first of all, Florida State is a dumpster fire, man. That is ugly. Miami looked like they were going in a completely different speed. Florida State looked like they were going in slow motion. And this one hurt me a lot because when we did our wide receiver show, there are not many more people in, in this in this you know in this stratosphere that like Tamarian Scary Terry as much as I do. I am just bought into that six three plus four three speed potentially. He's got everything, man. But then he goes, you know, he doesn't have a good first game. He has six catches, but he drops a long touchdown potentially. And then this game. They're, they're announcing it before the game even starts. Oh, Terry's going to play, but he's not healthy. And I'm just like, why is he playing then? Why is he playing? I knew the minute I heard that, that he was going to be a non-factor, and then people are going to nitpick it because he's not healthy, unfortunately. And then he goes, no catches, one carry for negative four yards. Those types of games are debil- debilitating. And he has another year of eligibility, so like, does he go back for his fifth year? But like, why would you go back to that dumpster fire? Why would you do it to yourself? So he's going to be in such a tough situation because although the talent is all there, I think the talent warrants potentially a first-round selection. He hasn't taken the steps. 
He played not a, a bad game because he wasn't healthy. He was a non-factor against a you know a Miami defense that has several potential NFL talents going to the next level probably this year. So I was very disappointed in this one, but I unfortunately have to put the stock down on Terry this week just because he was a non-factor. He's been a non-factor so far this season. He's he's you know nursing an injury, and this is just a season to forget so far for Florida State and, and all these Florida State prospects, unfortunately. Yeah, Terry's in an unfortunate situation. The quarterback situation at Florida State has looked abysmal. Blackman's just not a very good quarterback. Obviously, we have coaching concerns with Florida State, you know, last year and beyond with Willie Tagger. And then this year, there were some controversies going into the summer with that coaching staff. So, how well is that team meshing on the inside? Tamorian Terry, like you said, it has so much talent. The size, speed element of his game is so intriguing. And and we're both, you know, you put me onto him very early uh into this season. You know, I knew about him last year as a potential candidate for the for the draft, but I was a big fan as well. It's just so unfortunate that where he's going to succeed at the next level, he just can't do it, Florida State. He can't do it now, and he can't do it next year, I don't believe. So you talked about him potentially going back for that fifth year, but because he's not going to put up the the numbers and and the you know have the production that warrants coming out early because of this offense, but I don't know how much better it's going to be next year. Does this guy grad transfer? Like that might be an an option, but that's at the wide receiver position. You don't see that very often as a grad transfer. I it's it's really an unfortunate you know situation for Tamori and Terry. It, it's going to take a front office that can see through the situation with him. Uh, and, and project that success, but I, I think he is a top five or six talent at the position in this class, or what what seems to be this class between uh, at the position. But it's really unfortunate that he's not able to put the production with the talent, because I think this guy could push for first round consideration. However, when you have no receptions against you know putting on that stage at, at, you know against Miami, one carry for negative four yards. You know, teams are going to look look at that and be like, okay, how much of an X factor is this guy even at the collegiate level? And it's just really an unfortunate situation for him. I, I hope it. I hope this offense can turn it around for him specifically because I think he's a, a really good talent as you do, Ryan. And and hopefully, talent evaluators can consider the context of not only dealing with an injury but also in a just a horrible coaching situation and also team situation where this team cannot perform well they just can't get put it together collectively with all the talent that they have to produce any type of a a, you know a quality product on the field it's two games now where they've looked bad and then also getting smoked by Miami does not help their causes and a lot of the guys on the field that are considered to be draft prospects that's going to be it for this episode of the believe in NFL draft prospects podcast thank you for tuning in as always folks be sure to follow us on twitter you can follow Ryan at Rise and Draft. You can follow Alex at Alex Gilstrap. And you can follow me at Joe DeLeon. Also follow our show's Twitter at NFL Prospects Pod. And also believe podcasts uh, at BLEAV Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.